Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, I'm a mom to four grown up kids, and this is my 30th year of homemaking. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're so glad you found the Art of Home. To our regular listeners, welcome back. And thanks for faithfully tuning in to hear these amazing stories of home. We kicked off our first season of 2022 with a new type of episode. We did a deep dive on organization, and we will be revisiting that topic with Joy Welch in our next episode that goes live in two weeks. Today, we have our first homemaker portrait of 2022. We will be talking with Kim Coburn about her experience of cultivating a home over the past 47 years. That's a lot of memories and reflections, friends. You are sure to find some valuable insight in this episode. We have a lot of ground to cover with Kim, so I'm keeping this intro short. Be sure to stick around till the end for some updates about new content that's coming your way in 2022. So whether you are running errands or washing dishes, we know you will enjoy Kim's story of home. Well, I am here with my friend, Kim Coburn. And Kim, before we go back to the beginning of your story in homemaking, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are today? Well, I am married to my high school sweetheart, Phil, and we've been married uh, 47 years, and we have four grown-up kids that are married to wonderful spouses that we love, and we have six adorable grandchildren. The oldest is 11, and the youngest is three, and um, we moved to Texas in 1997, so we've loved being in Texas, came from California, so that's kind of my general background. Right now, I'm busy with uh, Phil's retired. He's been retired for since uh, 2010. So mm-hmm. the first grandbaby arrived just a few months later. So then we were kind of jumped into the grandparent stage, mm-hmm. which has been mm-hmm. delightful. That's and great. five of them, five of the six, live close by, so we see them often. And one, the littlest one, is in Washington State that we mm-hmm. see once in a while. Mm-hmm. Not it's been about two years since we've got to see the little guy. Uh, out there with my son and daughter-in-law. So we're hoping to make a trip out to there when things kind of settle down with mm-hmm. what's going on with COVID and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you guys came from California. Yeah, yeah. So you, did you both grow up there? We grew up in uh, Southern California, Los Angeles area. Wow. And met at church, okay. a little church there. And we're married in that little church. Um, and then we... Um, we moved to the San Francisco Bay Area about mm-hmm. a year after we were married. Okay. So then when we moved from uh, California, we were in like the San Francisco Bay Area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, moved to Texas. Well, so let's go back to the very beginning. Would you say that your homemaking journey began when you met and married your husband? Yes, because I was still living at home with mm-hmm. my um, parents and my younger sister. So I had... Experience because my mom was um, very organized, and in fact, I thought you could interview her too because she was nearby. Oh yeah, um, and she's um, taught us how to you know maintain things and do chores and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So mm-hmm. we already had kind of an idea how. To, what I didn't have 
was my mom making my list every Saturday morning, like, this is their chores for the day, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you got to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of in charge of my own schedule, and I didn't have to work. Um, Phil had a good job, so I was able to be a homemaker, mm-hmm. um, which I was happy to do. That was a little more normal mm-hmm. than it might be now, I think, mm-hmm. for for young wives to say, it's okay just to kind of focus on being a homemaker. Sure. And I didn't feel pressure from society. I was going to college. Mm-hmm. I had done one year of college, so I was, you know, working on some classes second year um, and doing my little homemaking in a little, little tiny, like a guest house mm-hmm. that we rented. Um, so I remember thinking, okay, well, I, what do I do? You know, just mm-hmm. feel go to work and then I'd have to figure out you know, my mom would help me do things, but um, it was different than having her kind of like a manager Yeah, to kind of say, okay, well, we're going to get this all, because she's very organized, and I'm more of a random, intuitive, relaxed kind of flow person. So <laughs> so I would had I had to kind of find my own style, I guess, Yeah, that what worked for me, and, and um, um, so when we moved... The special blessing was that my sister-in-law, Phil's older sister, and her family lived where we ended up, and she took me under her wing Mm. and kind of taught me, um, like she was a stage ahead. She had Mm -hmm. three children that were were young, so I could spend time with her, Mm -hmm. and then she'd show me how... She would get dinner going and get laundry started and kind of multitask and sure. do creative activities like we got into framing pictures and doing just like little fun projects or canning applesauce. And mm-hmm. so those kind of things were, were um, before I, we had children, I had that time mm-hmm. that I'd be over, I'd probably be over there twice a week at least because I was like a little bit lonely. Yeah. Well, that's really fantastic that you had her there. Yes, it for, was. Because yeah, I was kind of homesick. Because mm-hmm. I'd never lived away from home. Okay. I didn't go away to college right. at a distance. So I was a little homesick. But she was really wonderful. And we're still like best friends today. Oh, I love that. So, you know. So it sounds like your your steep learning curve might have been, you said your mother was very organized, but you were more a little bit more free-flowing, just kind of go-with-the-flow person. Was was that a steep learning curve for you to try to make make get the things done that needed to get done in a way that fit your personality? Or was there something else besides that? What was hard was um, seeing the big picture, maybe, mm. you know, because now I was responsible for grocery shopping and right. cooking and timing of those things, you know, and laundry and housekeeping and little yard work because we had like a little yard. And and then we were busy with family activities. It was kind of like everybody uh, would be doing things together. So we were had a fairly busy schedule, and then I was trying to do a little studying Mm -hmm. with, I didn't take a full load of classes. I maybe took Mm -hmm. two uh, classes or something. Um, so yeah, sometimes knowing how to use your time wisely, you know, mm-hmm. like where, 
where to focus your attention rather than getting sidetracked on something that might take a lot of time or be interesting but didn't really contribute to uh, what needed to get done Mm -hmm. that week. Mm -hmm. Um, So that I had to sort out because I was a good student. You know, you learn how to be a successful student, but then with the other things on top, that was probably the hard thing. Sure. And then my husband would um, like to do stuff on the weekend. So I didn't have the weekend basic. Whatever he wanted to do was kind of like, that's what we would be doing, a project or a thing with the family. So um, I would try to figure out how to get whatever I had to do done when he was at work Mm -hmm. um, and make, uh, make good use of time. That way, but it, it was it was a happy time. You know, we we had our family around us, and we had a cute little little one bedroom, one bath, mm-hmm. old uh, little cottage that we rented, and that was um, a happy fun yeah. time. So it wasn't like I was harassed or uh-huh. desperate. I think the harder time for me was about the time my third child was oh, born. Oh, okay. Then that kind of threw me into like a whole nother category of work <laughs> right. and responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and my husband, at that point, we lived uh, away from work, so he had a fairly long commute. Mm-hmm. So he might be gone 12 hours a day, you right. know, leave at 6 and get home at 6. So that, and then I did have my sister-in-law, but I didn't have grandmas nearby. Mm-hmm. And so um, basically I had to take care of kind of everything myself with mm-hmm. the children. Mm-hmm. By the time the fourth baby came, I had figured that out, you know, yeah. and so, and there was more age difference. Mm. So the hardest, the hardest year of my life was probably from just feeling like I had to juggle so many responsibilities was when my third son was born until he was about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I finally felt like I had a grip on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, my um, daughter was born when uh, we moved closer to work, and so Phil could come home for lunch. Nice. He didn't have a long commute anymore, mm-hmm. and I had um, just um, that. Just that change alone was huge um, yeah. in helping helping me um, have a kind of a little more even keel every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really difficult when when you have a, a husband with a long commute. We did that for a long time. My husband was, gosh, an hour one way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a bunch of little kids at home. And you really feel the weight of the responsibility of not just running the whole day, you know, from pretty much when everybody gets up to when everybody goes to bed. And that's right. all on you. But if anything goes wrong. If there's an emergency, Mm -hmm. if somebody, you know, smashed somebody else's finger in the door and now you have to take them to the clinic and get stitches and it's not like he can just zip home and Mm -hmm. be there to help you. So it is, it is a lot to carry. Yeah. Yeah. I think during that time, what helped me, my sister-in-law was like going back to college and finishing Mm -hmm. her degree because her kids were in high school then when my kids were little. So if it wasn't, an emergency, then I could call. I didn't have cell phones though. Right. So um, I remember running out of gas one time. Oh no. And I had, I think I was pregnant with the fourth baby and I had the, the third baby, you know, in a diaper or something. And because I was going to just drop someone at preschool and come home. Oh gosh. And my 
big station wagon. Um, I don't know if the fuel gauge wasn't working good, you know, or mm-hmm. something, because we never could buy a new car for many, many years. So they always were uh, some kind of state of a few little repairs needed. Right. Um, and I, so I had to walk with the, the little toddler to the grocery store to make a phone call to call my sister-in-law to come help me. Oh, gosh. Because um, Phil was an hour away. Right. You know, and it, it but I only did that once. So that, that I learned. <laughs> we always top off the gas tank. Yes. Um, we only need to have me go through that once. But she was available for those kind of things, which I appreciated. Um, but then I learned to um, go to Bible studies that had childcare. Mm-hmm. And I had two of them I went to. My time there was just real, real valuable because we would share prayer requests in a group and they would be um, ladies from it, in their 60s like I am now yeah. and young moms. And they would all share prayer requests and different things. And I think, oh, they have a, a difficult load themselves. You know, it would help mm-hmm. me give perspective sure. yeah. that what I was dealing with was not not too bad. Yeah. Um, and that, and then they could encourage me and, and help me with um, mm-hmm. kind of um, just having that that time to have adult conversation exactly with um, the other Christian ladies was just like a filling my cup and mm-hmm. keeping me encouraged. So you alluded earlier to that third baby just really kind of throwing you for a major loop. Would you say that was probably the toughest challenge? Or have there was there any other major challenges that you had to deal with as a homemaker? Well, that was probably what I think I felt maybe the most overwhelmed mm. because um, the second baby was not quite two, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, two in a, two weeks when mm-hmm. Greg was born, and so that was busy because then I had a two story house. So I have the baby upstairs. I'm trying to nurse a baby and get him down for a nap. And then downstairs I hear little crashes and things, you know, <laughs> there's, like there's boxes two little of boys downstairs doing being, who knows what. <laughs> they, they decide they need a little snack and you know, a box of Cheerios gets dumped on the floor. They weren't, you know, real mischievous, but they just were little, yeah. you know. And and so trying to feel like I had to be in different places at the same time. Um, so by the time Greg was a year, I remember thinking, okay, I got it. Three kids. I can, I can do this, you know. <laughs> but it took about a year before I felt confident mm-hmm. in it. And then when, um, and I had help. Phil got me a housekeeper to come in, I think, maybe twice a month. Oh, okay. And do all the vacuuming yes. and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I had some some help, um, and that that was great. But um, yeah, just the responsibility for for little de, little people mm-hmm. is uh, you know it's a sweet time, but it's also just exhausting. So I think my biggest uh, uh, problem to overcome was fatigue. Mm-hmm just being tired all the time. So having to, if you put a baby down for a nap, then the older kids had to go in their room and either nap Mm -hmm. or play quietly. 
my older son was very obedient and and helpful. the the little um, The little two year old would be very curious and get into stuff. So yeah, I had a lock too. on the outside of his door, <laughs> uh-huh. put him in his room with his toys, and tell him okay, and put a lock on the outside so he couldn't get out and go running down the street so I could rest. Or <laughs> what worked with him is I'd have him nap with me mm-hmm. and tell. Um, have have him play with just like little little flashcards or little mm-hmm. stuffed animals on my bed and have the lights out and say, well, mommy's going to just close her eyes for a minute. Can mm-hmm. you just play real quietly? Because he was real um, sweet, uh, affectionate little child. And, he wanted to be close to you. And liked being having having time to yeah. play. And, and I'd say, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute. So if I could get him to put his little head down, mm-hmm. then he'd sleep. Mm-hmm. But as long as there's a party or something going on, he wouldn't... <laughs> turn it off, you know, because he he was quite a little extrovert and and still is. And uh, so then once I got him to sleep, Mm -hmm. then I could rest a little longer and get up and and maybe have him sleep another hour. I could get a few Mm -hmm. little things done while the baby... The third baby is a wonderful napper, happy baby. Like, good enough, mom. Thanks. I've got it from here. Just <laughs> throw me in the crib. I'm good. No problem. Go go check on Michael. You know, so um That's great. The, it, it was just yeah, just kind of a funny little little session of life there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it was pretty different though after three boys in a row to then bring a little girl home. Yeah, I was real um Real happy to have a little girl finally. And then the youngest child was almost three and a half. Mm-hmm. So that was a, bigger a, gap. a much easier mm-hmm. age difference. Right. <laughs> so they could I could talk to all the boys and tell them, okay, well, I'm gonna go put the baby down for a nap. I need you to do this. And so it was just a lot more peaceful time for me. And then I was more um comfortable with a baby too. Sure. The first one, you know, you're you don't know what to do with them and what what's, you know, and everything. So after you have the the subsequent ones, you're not as um overwhelmed with what what do I do with this newborn, but the the little toddler that's mm-hmm. there, um, mm-hmm. how to how to manage all those interactions. So it was fun to have a little girl and then she's um very close with all her brothers and um they all they all got along really quite well. They're still, you know, friends as adults, which is so that's good. Gratifying as yeah. a mom to see them because there's the, a lot of bickering growing up. You mm-hmm. think, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. and it's just because they're bored and mm-hmm. have have just going to start something for entertainment. But they really do <laughs> love each other. So yeah, that's good. Well, let's talk about hospitality a little bit. Um, how do you feel like you? And your family helped one another to feel welcome together in your home. What were maybe some special things that you would do to help everybody feel like they belonged here? I think my focus as a homemaker was was almost always just that everybody would have uh, their needs met at mm-hmm. home, and they um, they could have their pets. We had dogs and cats and lizards and frogs and fish and parakeets and um so all that and friends their little friends could come over and so my house was never going to be like too special or too precious to have all this kid activity sure. going on sure. um 
And so when they would get um, home from school, I'd usually have a snack for them. And um, when they were all in school, I would usually lay down and rest before they got home. Even if I wasn't really tired mm -hmm. at like between two and three, I'd say, I just really have to rest because I won't be going to bed till 11. Yeah. And I need to recharge now so I don't get too tired. So mm -hmm. I would kind of manage my, my time and energy because mm -hmm. my day would kind of a second half of the day would start when everyone got home from school. Yep. Because um, there's homework and football practice and pep squad and different things that, mm -hmm. you know, they need rides to. And so, um, so they pretty well had my full attention available. Um, and I enjoyed hearing about their day. You know, sometimes the kids would talk more like immediately after school, walk in the door, have a snack, and then, well, how was your day? Mm -hmm. Or tell me from the beginning what happened when you got to school. And, yeah. and so then I would hear more how that went. Then if I waited and I was too busy with, there's never, you're never done. Right. There's always another chore that sort of is waiting, nagging you. <laughs> But if you could just set that aside and just listen to them. And then also at bedtime. Mm -hmm. um, and even with my um, boys when they were teenagers, oh, are you going to come check on me, Mom? Yeah. You know, they kind of yeah. like that. They do. So and that's at, usually when they're ready to talk. And it's like you said, it's 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good thing you had that nap. Yeah. So because you know you're going to be kind of on uh, on duty for quite a while. So... Um, they they like to talk at bedtime and mm -hmm. kind of talk about their day or what they would be doing tomorrow or um, kind of if we needed to prepare for something or, you know, yeah. kind of be on, uh, kind of synchronized for the next month. What about showing hospitality to people who are not in your immediate family? Well, I think we had, that was all the out-of-state family come, coming to visit as well as the kids' friends. Um, the oldest son, Mark, had a band, so they would practice at my house. And then my other kids all had their friends. So if you have four kids, you better have room for eight yeah. kids around because they, <laughs> yep. they'll all, you know, uh, at least showing up. Right. Yeah. And, and my daughter would come home from um, like middle school and we'd bake a batch of cookies. Mm -hmm. She'd go upstairs to change into play clothes or something or uh, put something away and come down and half the cookies would already be gone because <laughs> the brothers and their friends, oh, come fresh through. cookies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, she said, well, I'm going to stash a few yeah. for me oh, yeah. you have before to do that. they all run into the kitchen. <laughs> For sure. So the, those were um, kind of casual um, sort of uh, hospitality things. And then um, we'd sometimes have um, my uh, lady friends from church over. Mm -hmm. um, Phil had pretty well used all his social energy at work, mm -hmm. being a manager and meetings and people, 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 and phone calls. So he was real happy to just deal with the family when he got right. home. It wasn't like he wanted to go golfing or fishing with friends. He he basically wanted all his non-work time with family. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the seasons of homemaking. 
So how would you say that your role as a homemaker has changed over time from those first couple of years in your little cottage, just through the baby years and the teenage years and all of that? I think I was, um, even though I was real young when we got married, I was not quite 19. I was pretty responsible mm-hmm. as firstborn. And uh, so I was, you know, willing to be responsible for things. Um, and But I didn't know, like, how to put dinner together. Mm-hmm. Or um, so when I moved to the Bay Area and was with my sister-in-law, who was about 10 years older and, and ahead stage of life, I would watch how she would do it. She'd say, oh, we need to get dinner started. So she would give me a little job to do. Yeah. And I could observe how she would, like, look in the pantry. So we're going to pull this out. We're going to add that. Get this out. Put it all together. Because she kind of enjoyed cooking where my mom was more like, well, I have to feed everybody. So mm-hmm. it wasn't something she enjoyed. So she would do something real simple, but um, she didn't. Uh, cooking wasn't her her thing. She liked to take us on outings to museums or to mm-hmm. the beach or um, on adventures, and huh. she liked to sew, and we would sew all the clothes we wore pretty much. But so learning to cook, I learned probably from my sister-in-law, yeah, my mother-in-law too, and my sister-in-law was a little more creative cook. Uh-huh. How you could say, well, what can we make for dinner? Uh-huh. And she could just look in her fridge and her pantry, and she'd have all this inspiration. So I can do that now. Yeah. But that took a while to to get there, where you could just say, oh yeah, you just pull this and this and this will work. So um, learning from um, learning by example mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of thing, where you have a little more confidence built up, right? Is, right. Uh, so I I still do a fair amount of cooking, but I don't have to feed four hungry teenagers. So mm-hmm. the cooking's real simple now that we're retired, because mm-hmm. Phil um, he doesn't need fancy meals. So we'll do you know sandwiches for dinner and um, salads and soup and simple stuff. So I don't I don't do a lot of. Uh, that like the short order cook where you feel like you're running a diner when yeah. you have hungry teenagers that <laughs> right. you feed them dinner and 20 minutes later they're, they're standing at the fridge <laughs> getting an apple because they're, they're just, their metabolism is yeah. going. So there's an awful lot of food prep going on oh, yeah. in those years. So yes. that that is slacked off and, and lightened up. And then um, Phil helps me with the, like doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. So um, he'll almost always load the dishwasher for me. And we'll grocery shop together mm-hmm. or do curbside and haul that all in together where before the kids would help me haul it in. Mm-hmm. And I go to Costco once a week and check out and they say, oh, are you having a party? No, this is one week's groceries <laughs> for four teenagers. Right. This full cart. Um, so I think that has probably lightened up, you know, from being sure. young and not knowing how to cook anything really and yeah. fig- trying to figure it out and then being busy with a lot of, of, of food prep and now kind of relax. Well, how about right now in the season that you're in right now, what does homemaking look like? Well, um, 
aside from the less food and your husband is now helping you, maybe you want to talk a little bit about this transition that this lovely place we're sitting in right now. Yes. So our project for the past year was to get the vacation house uh, up and running. um, That's been a family project. Mm -hmm. And and actually, all the family's kind of been involved. My my mom's come over and helped. We went shopping for little accessories, and she'd go with me and, and my daughter-in-law, Crystal. And God. Yeah, that's great. And you got to set up a whole new home for other people to enjoy. It's, it was fun to have a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah, because we did flooring and paint mm-hmm. and all the furnishings. And a lot of creativity with uh, Facebook Marketplace. My yeah. daughter-in-law is amazing on, and then just kind of putting it all together so it it's a, a special, peaceful, relaxing kind of environment. Okay, is what we were hoping to create. Well, I think you've accomplished it. The, I love the light in this. Kind, of, it's very much open in the the main area. It's all open with the living and the kitchen and the dining. Yeah, and that cute si- seating area over there. But the light in here is fantastic. I don't know what your orientation is to north, south, east, west, but it's, th- this is the north. Okay, wall here. Okay, so yeah, it it is real nice light. It's just it's bright and pleasant. airy, and you have little open um, shelving over here in the kitchen. It looks really lovely. And you said you, you're listed on VRBO. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we'll make sure we put some links to that in case anybody wants to come vacation in the Texas Hill Country. Yeah, and we're close to Canyon Lake, but then you're also close to New Braunfels, mm-hmm. Schlitterbahn and good restaurants. And, and tubing, lots of tubing around yeah. here. So it's it's not, you know, your typical vacation location. Right. It's very centrally located. You can be in downtown San Antonio on the Riverwalk in about an hour or less yeah. from here. You yeah. can be in Fredericksburg in about an hour or less going in the opposite direction. So, and you can be in Austin, really, mm-hmm. a little over an hour from here. It's a very good location, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then when you are done with your activities for the day, mm-hmm. come back and have it be quiet. It's so quiet, yeah. And you can watch the deer and the birds and the little squirrels. And mm-hmm. and, and it's dog-friendly, kid-friendly. We and People can bring their dogs. And mm-hmm. we have... Uh, Dog crates, if if they need to leave them, yeah. And whatever you know, we try to anticipate whatever might be helpful to have. Um, so we just want it to be uh, a peaceful place rather than a. Um, we we could have put the same money in like a condo, you know. Sure. But then it would be a little different kind of. It would be a whole different. It would be vibe. a different feel. Yeah. So when people are here. Uh, we'd like them to be able to have the fire pit or barbecue and the grill and yeah. eat outside. Or yeah, you, you can know. really you can totally retreat out here. Yeah, and just have it mm-hmm. or have a you know maybe they could have a little family wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just for mm-hmm. a small, sure. small little uh, family birthday party or yeah. you know that a lot kind of possibilities. Of space. A lot of possibilities. Yeah. Well, congratulations! It's a beautiful home, and you guys did a great job. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We will get back to Kim's story in just a few minutes. Right now, it's time for Historical Homemaker Hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not-so-helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from the art of homemaking in city and country in mansion and cottage by Margaret Sangster, published in 1898. 
Margaret has some helpful suggestions for the new homeowner with regard to sanitation and decoration. In moving into a new house or into a house which is new to you, the first thing to do is thoroughly clean it. Every woman knows the value of a broom and the scrubbing brush, of soap and water, of lime, calcimine, and fresh paper and paint. If there is the least suspicion in any room of the presence of vermin, it is best to have the old paper torn down, all cracks and apertures puttied up carefully and painted, and then to have fresh paper on the walls. I was curious about the lime and calcimine. Is it calcimine? I'm not really sure. Uh, I wanted to know what those were. So according to the interwebs, calcimine and lime were types of whitewash used on both interior and exterior walls. Lime wash provided a protective decorative coating for stone, brick, and wood walls. It's fire retardant, antiseptic, antifungal, odorless, and does not cause allergies. Lime wash also allows the wall to breathe, so you're less likely to have a mold problem caused by moisture trapped inside the wall. And it creates a chalky, subtle texture that only gets better as it ages. Should you decide to try this, you certainly want to do your homework and practice safety as lime is irritating to the skin and to the eyes. But there are some modern lime wash paints available that are suitable for stone, wood, masonry, and stucco. And manufacturers recommend that you prime the drywall with an acrylic primer in order to give that lime wash something to bond to. I'm pretty excited to hear about this new old way of painting walls, and I can't wait to try some modern lime wash in my home. Once you've got your walls all spick and span, it's time to start moving in, and Miss Sangster offers some advice to the lady of the house to let her man lend a hand. Do not fail to let John use his strong arms and stronger back than yours in helping with the hardest of the work. When people are first married, it is very essential that they should begin right. The wife often is inclined in those halcyon days to spare her husband from doing many things, and the husband, bless his heart, while he wishes to save her, will often, from sheer carelessness, let her go on, thinking she prefers to do things which he ought to take upon himself. In the start, take for granted that the husband means to lend a helping hand whenever he can. This is really great advice. I do personally enjoy learning how to be handy around the house and I can figure out a way to move a piece of furniture if I really want to by myself, but I realize now that my self-sufficient attitude, while sometimes helpful, does have its drawbacks. First of all, by just doing it myself, I have sometimes robbed my husband of an opportunity to feel useful and needed around the house. He loves to fix things and do things for me, just so long as I'm not nagging him to get around to my honeydew list. Tackling household projects alone has also been downright dangerous at times. I am ashamed to say that I have moved pieces of furniture up and down the stairs by myself. I have hung drapery, teetered on the edge of the sofa, and I pulled out a built-in plywood dresser in our first little mobile home to make room for a crib when I was five months pregnant. So do yourself, your marriage, and your back a favor. Ask your husband for help. Well, that's it for today's historical homemaker hints. As always, please remember this segment is for entertainment purposes only, and I leave it to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. Now back to Kim's story. Well, let's talk a little bit about tasks of homemaking. So we're this is just a for fun, rapid fire Q&A time. 
about the tasks of homemaking. So give me one task of homemaking that you love. Well, what what I love the most is the parenting and grandparenting, honestly. Mm-hmm. So playing games with the little kids when they come over or doing... Um, Letting them play in the backyard. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of toys at my house and bunk beds. And so they have little sleepovers at my house and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I'd say my, my, what I've enjoyed the most over the years is the relationships with, mm-hmm. with the children Good. and the grandchildren. Okay. Um, what about one that you hate? I, I don't like doing floors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've had housekeeping help. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big um, help to have someone do floors. I agree. Because <laughs> there's never a good time to do a floor. No. You know, I, whenever I would mop my floor, then somebody would let in the dog with muddy paws or <laughs> I'd drop something myself, drop an egg on the floor. So it's like, well, when's a good time to do it? And then... I would tend to put that off. So um, sometimes Phil will do do them for me. Um, Sweet. But what I have is tile at home, and this is tile here too. Mm -hmm. So it's like whatever happens, dogs, kids, Play-Doh. Yeah. Pizza falls on it. Tile is easy. You just wipe it off. Yeah, tile is easy. it's not anything that I have to protect or fussy with. Right, right. Basically fixing the house so that it accommodates mm-hmm. the kids and the pets and the the traffic. Well, yeah, because that's what that's a value. That's that's important to you. Those relationships, yeah. letting them be in your home. Yeah, so they know they can come over and relax and put yeah, their feet up and and um, and just have fun. And it's not like they have to jump up and grab their children because I have right. <laughs> a, Whatever. Beautiful little yes. porcelain collectible yes. on my coffee table. There's nothing on the coffee table but maybe toys. Right. It's right. all it's all available for the kids Good. to play with. Cool. Well, what about um, a task that you grew to love? Um. Well, I think I I grew to um, enjoy laundry mm-hmm. inevitably. Yeah. Because um, it just. Is sort of needs to get done, and so my uh, my daughter, when she was in middle school, started doing her own laundry. The boys would bring it home from college and say, "Mom, I know you love doing laundry, Mom, so I brought it home for you." You know, so um, so just I like the orderliness of seeing something accomplished. I guess oh, where yeah, that's... some jobs that you're doing, it's if my husband would come home. He'd have clean clothes in his uh, closet. Mm-hmm. Then he would say, "Oh, it's so nice to have clean clothes. I yeah. can find what I need." And uh, so that, as opposed to if I was alphabetizing my spices, he would never notice that. <laughs> but it might have taken the same amount of time. So you know, things you get, yeah. a, you have to personalize it for your family and what they um, they need or appreciate or and kind of. Um, Focus on those things, I think. Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. Look at the laundry. It's orderly and it when it does get done, it's done and it's all folded and there it is. And yeah. You'll have to do it again in a couple of days, but that's okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. And and part of the the uh, helpful hint I would have for a younger mom with, with kids is just limit the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So the because younger kids 
and even um, middle school kids, they're changing their clothes like too often. Five and times a day. Clean yeah. clothes are in the hamper. Mm-hmm. So if you only have a fairly small wardrobe mm-hmm. of everything that goes together available, other things could be in bins out of season or yeah. something out of their reach, then they can only make one load of laundry worth of commotion. Mm-hmm. Um, before they run out and mm-hmm. have to deal with it. And, uh, so having a limited wardrobe yeah, helps that's a, yeah, that quite a, a good, bit. That's rather. A and then if they're old enough to want a fancy wardrobe, then they have to do their own laundry. Mm, okay. It's like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. If, you, if you need all this other stuff, sure. then you're going to be in charge of your own laundry. Good. But a toddler doesn't care. Uh, no. Yeah. That's a good tip. What about a homemaking fail? Okay, I thought about that, and this again is with parenting. Mm-hmm. This is the the funny one that my son will let me forget. This is the third son, Greg. Again, I left him one time at Walmart. Oh no! And which was about fifteen minutes from the house, uh-huh. and I had my sister and her girls visiting, mm-hmm. and I had a big van with a lot of seating, um, yeah, like a custom van. And so we had gone to Walmart to get something, and Greg would peel off and go play video games. They'd have like a little display in electronics right. for Nintendo or something. Uh-huh. And so he, because he didn't like shop, but he'd say, well, I'll just, I'll just go do video games. And I thought I had gathered all the little chicks in the nest and got them all in the van <laughs> and um, counting noses, you know, and, and uh, thinking about what we're doing next with, right. with the company. Um, got home and had left him at Walmart. The phone rings, this before cell phones. Mm-hmm. He was probably about 14. Uh, he went and said, oh, my, I'm looking for my mom. I think I need to call. So they let him call. And, <laughs> and uh, hi, mom, I, I'm at Walmart. And I said, no, you're kidding. I, I thought he was joking. <laughs> and so I hang up on him. I said, just come on downstairs and stop fooling around. You know, we're going to have lunch soon or something. He calls again. No, no, mom, I'm really at Walmart. You guys <laughs> all left me here. <laughs> Nobody's here. Oh my goodness. So I, you know, I ran back as quick as possible and picked him up. So now he never lets me forget that I <laughs> left him at Walmart. At least he was 14 and you know, yeah. it wasn't like he was three and you left right. him yeah. at Walmart. The, the little ones I, I was able to realize I had to have a have a hand a hand on each in, one in yeah. their person. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, what about a memorable homemaking achievement? My biggest um achievement I I look back on was in 2006 and we had three weddings. Oh. Two boys and the girl. Wow. So I had my son Greg in May, my son Michael in August, and my daughter in September. Oh my goodness. They all decided to get married within a very short <laughs> period of time. <laughs> I was um, helping plan because the sons need help with a fair amount. You, yeah. you had your son get married. So uh-huh. even though the, the bride's a little trickier for uh-huh. the mom, you're still. Quite a bit of things that they need help figuring out. So right. we did a, a end of May, middle of August, and a middle of September wedding. And so, and it was fun. You know, it was it was a, a special time, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to figure out all those uh, details and 
and stuff. And that was kind of a highlight year. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot all in one year. So good job. What about your top three homemaking tips? I think what I, I would, would advise a young, a young wife um, is to once or twice a year, just evaluate where the family's at. Mm. What, what are the needs? What, where, where are you having, um, little, uh, log jams of things happening, Mm -hmm. you know, where, um, if you need to uh, readjust your schedule and just focus on those things and personalize it for your family. So Mm -hmm. for your particular husband, what is he like to have done? If he wants dinner that he can smell as he's walking in the door, Mm -hmm. then maybe your top priority is just get that dinner figured out Mm -hmm. Do that early in the day before you're tired and make sure you have all your ingredients. And if not, maybe adapt, you know, do something else. You don't have to run to the store. Um, and what what do the children need different from what they want? Right. Maybe they don't need to be in so many activities. Mm-hmm. And each child you add to the family, it's like a mobile that... Mm-hmm. The balance, if it's just you and your husband, it's just your relationship mm-hmm. to him and his with you. Mm-hmm. So you only have two things to tend to. And right. you add the child, now you have the triangle uh-huh. of that child's relationship to mom, uh-huh. mom's relationship to the child. And and so then when you add each child, geometrically, all the complexity yeah. of relationship and trying to have some level of harmony. Uh-huh. Um gets complicated. Sure. So, and I'm very happy I had four children. It wasn't, um, wasn't always easy, but I'm very thankful for each one of them. Um, and I wouldn't change any of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just trying to kind of see where they were maybe at the beginning of a school year, like what, what maybe I would need to do with my schedule to be available mm-hmm. or um, things we could take care of. Um, and kind of plan ahead. And then the other little helpful hint that I had learned early on from a little book I had read of a mom had like 10 children, I think. She did uh, what she called backwards planning. Mm -hmm. And I found that helpful because she said, okay, when your husband gets home at six o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. what would you like the situation to be? Do Mm -hmm. you want dinner ready? Mm -hmm. Do you want your um, iced tea made in the fridge so it's chilled? And, you know, do you want the kid's toys just picked up so Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to walk over Mm -hmm. uh, toys and step on Legos and stuff or or move bikes to get in the driveway? So by backwards planning, you kind of like what your goal for the end of the day was. So it was pointless for me with little children to clean my house in the morning. Yeah. Because Phil wouldn't be home for hours, and we get the toys back mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So it would be like, okay, what I really needed to do was figure out what am I having for dinner that night. And we did have crock pots from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We the instant pot is amazing. I like that. Yes. So I'd I'd recommend grab an instant pot if you don't have one, because um, then you don't have to plan six hours ahead. Exactly. Which your, which your, <laughs> your roast will be done. Um, but. You're probably going to be tired at dinner time, and the kids will get grouchy. And then, you know, if you're pregnant, mm-hmm. um, you need to eat more often. And I remember being pregnant 
I think probably the fourth baby. And I'd have dinner ready. Phil get home, and I'd say, "Okay, dinner's right here. This is everything they're going to need. Put the little one in the high chair. I have to go take a nap. Mm. I'm too tired to eat. Mm-hmm. I just have to rest mm-hmm. a little and get off my feet, and then go lay down. Then I'd eat something later. Mm-hmm. Um, so just knowing that's going to happen, rather yeah. than being surprised that you aren't superwoman, right, <laughs> and you don't have unlimited strength and energy and patience to build margins mm-hmm. into your weekly schedule. Yeah. So there's ease because you will get sick just before Christmas. Yeah. And you had planned to wrap all those gifts the last minute. And now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't want to wrap gifts. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good. Or uh, anything that if you're going to have any kind of little family party, do your grocery shopping a day or two ahead. Because if you have to go grocery shopping, come home and unload it and then prepare it, mm-hmm. you're, you're setting yourself up for just so much fatigue. Yes. And, and, and thinking, oh, I should be able to handle that isn't really fair to yourself. So yeah. kind of finding out what your energy level is and then respecting that so that you can get through your day with, um, you know, taking care of yourself mm-hmm. as well as feeling like you're taking care of the family. Mm-hmm. And I think the Pinterest, Facebook, that can be fun, mm-hmm. but I think that must set expectations so high mm-hmm. for people to think, oh, I should be doing, doing all of these all things this, yeah. rather than just using it as... Uh, relaxation or just a little fun. Oh, that's kind of a fun idea. Maybe I'll try mm-hmm. that sometime. But just keeping a realistic expectation is what you personally can do, what your family really wants. Mm-hmm. And so if your husband really just wants dinner and, and clean underwear in his drawer, yeah, you don't need to be killing yourself doing a bunch of other things. Right. Maybe you do need to get that nap in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I can nap and feel better. Some mm-hmm. people napping, they're groggy, and that doesn't help them. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a personal thing, too. But maybe they need to get to bed a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the last um, tip would be um, figure out what time of day that you're kind of off duty. Mm. Like, it's like, whatever didn't get done, you, you're never really going to be done. Mm-hmm. I still have decluttering to do. Mm-hmm. As a grandma, because you know, I collect toys and and things like that. So it's, I still haven't run out of things to do. But there's a point in the day where I say, "Well, that's enough for today. I'm yeah. just going to be off duty now." And, yeah, and say that's enough, and it's okay, and just have peace with that, mm-hmm. so that you can enjoy where you're at. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it can be where you feel like you're always on this. Um, treadmill and and it, someone keeps turning it faster and faster and mm-hmm. you can't get everything done you think you should mm-hmm. be doing mm-hmm. um and and it, it seems to me that when the lord jesus was doing his ministry he only had 3 years of ministry he was walking so i was listening to someone said that's maybe 3 miles an hour you know that you're walking from one village to the next he he had to deal with people and interruptions and and deal with who he but he couldn't see everybody mm-hmm. but that wasn't necessary right for his ministry to be successful so i think if we pace ourselves mm-hmm. 
a little more gently. Yeah. The Lord um, doesn't expect us to be frazzled and, and harassed and always running or um, over overcommitted mm-hmm. with too many activities. Yeah. And that can really be a real trap where you can end up being very bitter. Because then you feel like everybody else is relaxing in the living room and I am still washing dishes or I am still doing this or I am still doing that. And you will have those seasons where you you, you are going to be cleaning up the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night, but it shouldn't be a regular occurrence. Right. And that yeah. means, I, I love that you pointed out that you probably need to assess what am I spending my time on during the day and am I, am I using the time to um, meet the most important needs and the things that really matter to my family, my particular family? Mm-hmm. Or am I chasing after other things that it might just be, I need to put that on the shelf and it's not for this season. Right. I can do it in another season. So yeah. Yeah. That's a really so, good word. It, it helps to also have that attitude maybe with your cooking and meal planning. Sure. So yeah. if you love cooking and that's your creative outlet, mm-hmm then that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't like to cook. Um, but you pretty well need to figure out how to, how to do some of it. Sure. Right? Just some simple meals. You can, you can get by with maybe 10 menus. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. And just you don't rotate have it. unlimited variety. Mm-hmm. So you just get used to what is the family like? What's easy mm-hmm. to make? What can they start learning to help me make? Yeah. And rotate that and keep it real simple. And when I was talking to a young mom a couple years ago, I, I told her, maybe you're in a, a manna season where every morning they went and got the manna collected when mm-hmm. they were uh, wandering in the wilderness. And, and there were a few different ways to prepare it, but that was, that was the meal plan. Yeah. You know? And so there again, we can maybe get a little too sidetracked, thinking, well, I should be doing all this variety and I right. should be... Well, if you enjoy it, that's great. Or maybe once a week you want to try that. Or, But not to set yourself up mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to meal plan 30 different menus for the whole month. Well, not young kids often like the same mm-hmm. thing. So you yeah. need a little variety for yourself. But, you know, just like who whose expectations are you trying to meet? Yeah. Um, mm. That that I think is is helpful. Or if you're in a season where you used to cook gourmet meals, but now you have three children, mm-hmm. you don't have that extra time right. to do it. So you need to do, um, you know, order pizza and get takeout and have more convenience foods. Yeah. Or um, I, I recommend using paper plates when you have mm-hmm. for your everyday dishes when you have little kids. We did that for a long time. And don't worry about recycling the paper plates. You know, you can do it later. <laughs> I can use regular plates with my husband and I because yeah. we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's only six plates. They fit in the dishwasher. Right. But with a family of six times three, that's 18 dishes. They don't yeah, fit in yeah. the dishwasher. No, you know, That's a lot of dishes. So just having little shortcuts to mm-hmm. make it simple, yeah. I think that's um, just being practical and, and making it, if there's a way to make it a little easier on yourself. Right. But you still um, are covering the bases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are some really great tips. Thank you. So let's close out our time talking about the art of home. How would you say that homemaking is an art? Well, I think it lets you express your personal values. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it gives you a lot of opportunity to keep learning new things. And you can definitely learn to trust the Lord more. Because like I, I mentioned earlier, sometimes I would just pray, Lord, I need you to help me figure out something. Like, what what should I do? Because often when the kids were little, Phil worked all the way into San Francisco. And I'd expect him to be walking in the door at maybe 6 o'clock, 6.30. And he'd call. I have a meeting. I won't, I'm not leaving yet. So I knew it was an hour yeah. from the time. And it would be like... I was holding on, that was, watching the oh, clock. I know, <laughs> thinking you're going to be coming in because he was real good with the kids and would be kind of take charge and get everyone doing something, and, yeah. I, and I could just have a little little break. So um, that that kind of thing, you you learn. Okay, well, I'm just going to trust the Lord to give me that extra grace and energy that I, I I'm at the end of my human. Energy, mm-hmm. love, patience, kindness, and creativity. And sometimes the Lord would tell me something in in like a little little thought would come to mind. Put everyone in the big bathtub and have a bubble bath, mm-hmm. and feed them on a, a blanket and put on a cartoon. And yeah, because uh, you can't hold dinner for little children. If Daddy's gonna be late, you better just go ahead and feed kids. Yeah, instead of trying to hold hold them off because. Sometimes they would be in bed when he got home, sure, um, and be in bed when he left in the morning. Um, and he worked real hard and provided well for mm-hmm. us, so that enabled me to be home with the children, and I appreciate that so much. And my boys are real good providers and hard workers. Um, and my son-in-law is also; he's he's a wonderful son-in-law to have. Um, and so, yeah, all my daughter-in-laws and my daughter are able to be homemakers. Mm-hmm. That's a real high priority to me. I, I think that's um, important that women support each other, encourage each other. If if they have to work, that's their choice. That's fine, mm-hmm. um, and not be competitive. You know, if we if we are encouraging to one another, we're stronger. Yeah, and yeah. we're better off. How do you think that we can find beauty um, in the midst of the mundane work of of keeping a home? Well, I think um, you have to um, focus on the big picture. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard when when you're in the trenches with the yeah. little ones because every day kind of drags. And yet, you know, speaking as a, a grandma now, um, the years went by fast. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it. And so having that big picture that you, you're really facilitating the growth and development of these children or your husband's success at work and, mm-hmm. and helping him be successful because he knows things are taken care of at home. Yeah. So he can, he can have his mind free to be creative and, and focus on what he has to do with work. And uh, so, yeah, you have to kind of just, you know, zoom out a little mm-hmm. bit and see... Um, what it's going to be like in a few years. And, you know, there's in Proverbs 31, it, it talks about the, the woman's, uh, a, 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 you know, a godly wife and the different things she does. But that's like through her whole life. Yes. Not one day. Not all at once, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and then, then her children rise up and call her blessed, you know, and her husband appreciates her. And so eventually you see that, you yeah. know, when they're little, they're not... 
necessary, and some are sweet and sensitive and will tell you thank you. So it sometimes feels like a thankless job mm-hmm. when you're doing it. But um, I remember my oldest son told me when he's about 10th grade, um, he said, well, thank you for the nice dinner, Mom. I really enjoyed it. You know, <laughs> and and it was kind of cute, like because he's a sensitive person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the other kids kind of look like, oh, well, I guess we should tell mom thank you sometimes, <laughs> you know. But now that they're married and have kids, they they do appreciate, yeah. you know, what what we tried to do when they were little. Not that we did it perfectly, mm-hmm. and we didn't have to apologize to them for you know being overly harsh with them sometimes unnecessarily and, you know, ask their forgiveness and, and, uh, and then they're sweet to forgive you, you know? Uh, But usually that's because you got yourself on the ragged edge Mm -hmm. and you didn't have the margins and you were overcommitted. Mm -hmm. And so then that's where, you know, I've learned like you have to pull back and give yourself some buffer. And so that big picture, um, you're creating a safe environment Mm -hmm. for these little humans to grow and, Mm -hmm. And um, be responsible, uh, happy people, and be able to take care of their families. So it's very valuable. Yeah, it is. Highly valuable, but sometimes you don't see it. You don't get a paycheck. You don't get a little evaluation form. Um, <laughs> and uh, so if you're, you're looking for short-term uh, feedback, mm-hmm. there again, you need to have this community of women who can come alongside and say, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And it is hard. And I know it's not easy, mm-hmm. which is why my goal as a grandma for the past 11 years, because I didn't have my um, kids' grandmas nearby, uh, as wonderful as they were when we would go to L.A., I had um, a lot of time I thought, oh, I just wish someone come take them all for an hour so mm-hmm. I could... Maybe just clean a toilet without being interrupted. Mm-hmm. Nothing fancy, you know. And so I like to do that for the grandkids. Yeah. Um, see where I can help out here and there with different little things. Uh, and then the kids are happy to come over, and then mom and dad get a little breather. Mm-hmm. And I think then they don't uh, they don't get quite so um, exhausted with just that um, constant demand. Yeah. So that's been probably our focus since mm-hmm. Phil retired is just being involved with, uh, the grandkids as, as needs arise. And yeah, that's a great, that's a great legacy to pass on. And I know your, I know your kids appreciate that very much. So, well, I think that's a good place to end. So thank you so much for well, sharing your story. You. And it's been, been a pleasure. I really appreciate it having the time with you and it's been fun reminiscing good over this all right well thank you thank you so much for listening to this homemaker portrait of kim coburn we are always delighted to bring you these decades-long stories of home and we are very excited that we will soon be able to present you with some different perspectives on the art of home We will continue to speak to seasoned homemakers like Kim, but we are also talking with newbies, that's less than five years experience, and the ones in the middle, who we are calling the the in-the-trenches homemakers. We believe that highlighting every stage of homemaking will help women of all ages and stages support and encourage one another in the way that Paul exhorts us to in Titus. These episodes are already in the works, so look for them soon. If you've stuck around this far, you are a committed listener. Thank you. 
If you have found some value from this episode, would you consider giving the show some love in one or more of the following ways? Number one, share the episode with a homemaker you know who could use some encouragement. That is the single most important thing you could do to help us grow and reach more homemakers all over the world. Number two, leave us a rating and review. It's super easy. You can even do it right from the show notes here. Just scroll down to the show notes that says love the podcast and follow the simple prompts for your platform of choice. And this works on all devices, not just iPhones. Number three, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. Links to give are in the show notes below. It's very simple and you can give in increments of five, 10 or $15, also known as one, two or three coffees. Your financial support helps offset the cost of producing the art of home and paves the way for us to create more great content that will encourage and inspire homemakers all over the world. So thank you so much for partnering with us financially. Resources mentioned in this episode, including links to Kim's VRBO listing are in the show notes and on our website. If you want to peek into Kim's rental home, hop over to the artofhomepodcast.com slash blog. That's all for this episode. We will be back in two weeks with Deep Dive Organization Part 2. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. <laughs>